the guest we have is Nathan Jones from Lamb Lion Ministries. And even though I interviewed him in June, that was an audio interview. So you got to see my mug the entire time and hear Nathan Jones. But today, which is super cool, it is going to be video, duh, as you guys could see. And um, I'm super, super excited. He is the internet evangelist for Lamb Lion Ministries. He's a, a webmaster, let's say that, and um, an ordained minister as well. So the one thing I have to say, though, is Lamb Ministries is chock full of all kinds of resources, video resources, um, media resources like reading materials. They even have a, a monthly newsletter that if you sign up, you can get a digital um, for a very, 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 very nominal fee. If you want to actually get it printed, they'll send it to you as well. So there's a ton of things, but the one thing it's fairly new um, is this thing called, um, let me see, prophetic perspective. How new is that, Nathan? About Our first one was launched uh, March uh, 30th, and our we just released yesterday our 100th. Wow. March 30th, and you're already on 100. I got to pick it up. I definitely got to pick it up. I'm, I'm lagging. I'm way behind. But those prophetic perspectives are super, super cool. I highly suggest, I'm going to link all this stuff down in the descriptions, um, but I highly suggest you guys check them out. In my opinion, they're just not long enough. But then again, that's just me. I think they're great. And I just have to know, uh, is that a green screen you guys use for your background? Or is that like an actual built out studio background for prophetic perspective? Well, uh, we actually have two studios. One is our television program, Christ in Prophecy. That mm -hmm. you wanted the longer version, that's it. It's a half-hour television show. We're now in our 18th season, and you can find that in all the major uh, television Christian television networks. Uh, the Perspective Studio is actually my associate Stephen. We converted half his office into a what I like to call the mini studio, nice. and that's more for smaller, more intimate uh, type of interviews with people, us uh, teaching. One thing about Christ and Prophecy when you do a television production TV show is that sometimes it's weeks, if not months, before it gets released. Well, when all this coronavirus uh, stuff began, the riots and uh, protesting and all that, uh, prophetic events started happening so fast that our TV show couldn't keep up with it. So we started these prophetic perspectives, short videos. We put them on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. And the idea was to to get the keep up with what's going on with the Bible prophecy. Brother, so many things are going on as Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 that we had to keep up with it. So we started the prophetic perspectives. And like you said, we're at 100 already, and we're still trying to keep up with all the events that are going on right now. That's super cool. So who does the majority of the writing you do for those prophetic perspectives? Well, if we have a guest come out for our TV show, like Amir Safadi did uh, recently, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Glenn Meredith, uh, some of the others that have come out, then fortunately they'll stay and we'll record three or four different perspectives on different topics related to what's going on today. Uh, sometimes they'll connect by Zoom. I Just yesterday we recorded four episodes with Bill Salas. Oh, we've wow. had Alan Parr of The Beat, who's yep. uh, checked out The Beat on YouTube. Uh, we've had others who've joined us. So, uh, And we'll teach ourselves. So sometimes I'll teach. Sometimes uh, my associate evangelist, Tim Moore, will join us. Sometime our founder and director, Dr. David Reagan, who founded the Lamb and Lion Ministries, will join us uh, as well. So if there's a message that the Lord's laid on our heart or there's an event, say, for instance, the Abraham Accords, when they mm -hmm. came out, everybody want to know, is there any prophetic significance? So we, of course, wanted to address that right away. The wildfires burning in across uh, 
California and yeah. other states, we wanted to address that. So as different events come up, we want to address them. And fortunately, we've had made a network of Bible prophecy teachers throughout the country and even overseas who cool. uh, can chime in with their expertise. That's cool. That is very, very cool. So again, I'm going to link this stuff up. I highly suggest you guys go check out all of the resources Lamb Lion Ministries has to offer. I've been watching them for a long time. Case in point, I bought a book at our home church and um, I have a few of these. If anybody wants one, and I know you know what this is, Prophetic Manifesto by David Reagan. Um, they are fabulous. I'll go ahead and send this out to you guys for free. I have a handful of them. Just email me and I'll pay for the shipping as well. Uh, just hit me up. And um, you, this is a great little book that you guys could read. It's a quick read, but it's chock full of amazing information. And, and it really relates to what we're seeing happening so quickly these days. And I have to confess, um, there's so much going on right now around the world, so much uncertainty. Um, it's really not just relegated to politics, because unfortunately, right now we are in an election year and we're what, three and a half weeks out till a very fiery election, the most important elections, I believe, in U.S. history going to determine the direction of our country for many, many years to come. And um, it's crazy. I mean, that's, that's an understatement. You know, you can, I have a tendency of reading the headlines and it just, I, I go through this emotional roller coaster at times because I get really, really frustrated at times. And then other times there's this part of me that, um, uh, that just gets really, really concerned, even though the Lord told us we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Oftentimes, um, it, I do, I get anxious, and I'm just being honest with you guys. It's, you know, it, it's easy for us, even as believers, as fast as things are happening, for us to get, you know, anxious. I mean, you look at the, uh, the lawlessness happening, as Nathan just mentioned, riots. I mean, you got drug use. Here in my own backyard, uh, Los Angeles, and not even the crazy thing is the homeless problem here um, is crazy. And for those that are in Southern California, you know what I'm talking about. For those that aren't, it's uh, it's not just relegated to uh, you know to the cities. This is all coming into the suburbs. It's already ha it has been coming into the suburbs for for quite some time now. And then. You have this uh, this lawlessness, not just out in the open, right? Riots and violence, but you have this lawlessness within our um, political community and almost this immunity to the law by a lot of politicians where it almost uh, they could do whatever they want and there's no sense of accountability. Now, I know Asaph said why <laughs> one of the Psalms, why do the righteous prosper? I think David, you know, asked that question as well. But um, in one of the, the Psalms at, at the very end, you know, Asaph, uh, the Lord shows the end of the wicked and uh, Asaph finally understands, ah, I see, I, I get that, right? Um, and I know, I, again, I'm going to be really honest and upfront with everybody. Me, I want to see justice now. I want to see it happen right now. And unfortunately, I think that's, you know, that's my flesh and we just want to see it so that we can witness it. But God says it's coming. It's coming. 
So just kind of hang out and stay there. But Isaiah 520, I know Dr. David Reagan said this, you have mentioned this too, where and Isaiah says that woe to those who say right is wrong and wrong is right. And aren't we living in those days? Isn't that isn't that crazy as you watch the news, as you you hear you watch the the debates or um, a lot of the, the madness going around around. And the crazy thing is the church is vastly asleep in all of this. You would imagine that with this whole coronavirus, um, we would see a different uh, landscape within the church, um, but we're not, unfortunately. And the other thing that I want to mention real quick before we get cracking is there's this huge uptick in, you know, demonology and the worship of demons in the use of casting spells of witchcraft. And, you know, you can go down the list. And again, the world seems like it's falling apart at the seams. Again, we're reminded so often of God's faithfulness. And that's really, uh, I want, we're going to get to that at the very end, before we get to the ugly stuff, we're going to get the ugly stuff and then the, the good stuff at the very end. But Nathan, that was a super long intro. I had to do it because there's so much going on. It's kind of hard to just do a short intro. And I'm not going to be the one that's going to be um, navigating. He's going to help us navigate. Nathan is going to, he's on the hot seat. They call it the hot seat there at Lamb Lion. And um, he's in the hot seat. So Nathan, again, thanks so much. I appreciate it, dude, for coming on and hanging out with us. It's a great honor to be ministering with you, Pablo. The Lord's using you guys mightily. Uh, you live in a difficult state. I, we here in Texas, we, we really do have it kind of easy. We have a very conservative Christian governor. Uh, most of the counties are, are Christian. We kind of live in the buckle of the Bible belt. Churches on every corner. And uh, we look at California and we see so many Californians moving here to Texas, fleeing the state. And brother, you all are in our prayers, especially the churches like Jack Hibbs and John MacArthur and others yeah. who are struggling even to stay open. Uh, the spiritual warfare is, is increasing. And, and when you study the Bible prophecy, which Bible prophecy is 27 to 31 percent of the Bible, uh, God wants us to know what the future holds. And we know where all this is leading. Uh, and uh, so. You're in the thick of it, brother. So we're praying for you guys. Oh, we appreciate it. And with that said, how about we go to the Lord in prayer? Lord bless us. Yeah, time. let's do that. Let's do it. Father God, thank you so much for this time that we get to spend talking about, yeah, the ugly, but the good, Father God, the hope that we have. And Lord, thank you so much that we have that hope of your soon return. So, so very near. Thank you for uh, Nathan and his ministry and um, David Reagan father and tim moore as well and everybody there at lamb lion ministries thank you for their prayers father god and their faithfulness in um sounding the alarms father being watchmen on the wall so i pray you would uh, watch and um, keep them and bless our time father god and for those that are listening whenever today uh, a week from now a year from now father may they be blessed through this content in jesus name amen amen okay so i just said a whole lot Right. Um, everything kind of going on. And uh, like I said, I, I don't have it all together. And you guys on screen seem to always have it all together. Like, dude, you guys, whoo, Pat, you know, David Reagan and Tim Moore, Nathan Jones. I mean, these guys look like they never, ever maybe have a thought of fear or of anger. You know what I mean? With everything going on kind of walk me through that. I know you're a man, you're like me, and so is David Reagan. And 
there's this uh, there's this myth that pastors and guys that are more in the limelight somehow have it all together. And I know one of the big reasons is obviously we're in the word and the word helps us to really keep our focus on Christ. But there there's got to be times where you look at what's going on around you and you go, what? You know, I, I have a family, I've got kids. And like you said, you're in a pretty conservative area. But when you look at the bigger picture, how do you deal with maybe, you know, do you ever do you ever have moments like that where you just get upset or you're like, ah, no big deal. You know, how do you do that? I mean, does that happen? I want to know. I want to know. Maybe nobody else does. I want to know. Well, yeah, you come from California where Hollywood is and Hollywood is notorious for creating scenes. And, and uh, when you're on television, of course, you've got the makeup, you've got the cameras, you've got the lights and you've pre-planned what you're going to say. And, and so, yeah, it, it seems like you can have all the answers when you're on television, but you know, there's a lot of grief and praying and frustration that goes in each uh, preparation for each program. And that's primarily because there's something that the Lord has weighed on our hearts. Uh, you know, we study God's prophetic word because we believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. That's the message and the burden that God gave Dr. Reagan when he founded Lamb and Lion Ministries, in which 40 years later, we're still proclaiming. So obviously, uh, I've had uh, actually in this morning, uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, popped up again about the 25th, 25th Amendment. Amendment trying to take Trump down. And I said, Lord, I just have committed murder in my heart. Please forgive me. <laughs> I, that woman drives me bonkers. She is so evil uh, and so power hungry and so about her own power and not the country. So yeah, obviously uh, it's, it's painful to watch what's happening in our country because, you know, just eight, nine months ago, we were all thinking, Hey, America's really doing well. We're seeing a resurgence. Uh, the economy's yeah. good. The, the people are good. Uh, health is good. Jobs are good. Our relationship with Israel is good, but uh, in the end, that's just superfluous if we're not having a good relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's where the church has really been suffering and dropping the ball. And we're seeing more and more nuns and non-affiliated people. Matter of fact, there's now more people who claim to be irreligious as religious in the United States. So the nation is drifting further and further from God, if not an outright rebellion. So yeah, brother, it, it weighs on my heart. I have uh, teenagers I have uh, two in college and one in high school, and it's not the same country that they're going to have to go out into yeah. that you and I had when we were growing up. In turn to verses like 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which reads, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Or Romans 8, 18 through 19. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectations for the sons of God to be revealed. Uh, when you study Bible prophecy, you get the 30,000 foot view of all that's going to happen. And so it's very easy to see what's going around us and then look at the world through that. But if you look at the world through God's eyes, the, the prophetic lens of scripture, so to speak, the big picture of what's going on, then you see how it fits in its place and you realize what we are is we're on a speed bump to something wonderful that's yeah. that's coming ahead of us. And when you have that type of perspective, then everything in life starts to make sense. And you can live as Habakkuk 2.4 says, the just shall live by faith. You live by faith and trust that God is sovereign. He's got it all under control. And this has been prophesied for thousands of years, what's going on today. Yeah. And we know how it's going to turn out. And how it turns out, Jesus Christ returns in victory. And through Jesus' victory, we can have victory as well. 
The good news is Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to set up his kingdom on this earth. He's going to rule and reign in, in all of evil nations and, and corrupt empires and judicial systems will crumble and fall apart when Jesus returns. When you have that in your mind, then all of this isn't as troubling as it should be. Amen. Amen. I think, um, you know, my challenge, I think a challenge for most believers is uh, during these times is trusting in the Lord, right? Uh, a lot of us know Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it goes on to say, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight, right? So, and, and there's numerous verses about trusting in the Lord. And uh, I think oftentimes in a challenge for me is I read it, we know it, right? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? Um, but there's times, especially in times like this, where that is really challenged and we have to really put, put it into action. Because it's one thing to say, Lord, I trust you, but it's a whole nother thing to actually put it into action when everything around us, it, it doesn't make sense and it's falling apart, right? So, which there's this old uh, saying that says, um, and I want to read it because I don't want to get it wrong. When um, when everything else around us looks like it's falling apart, it's not really falling apart. It's falling into place. So for the non-believer, it is falling apart. But for those that are in Christ Jesus, everything is coming together exactly as the Lord said in Scripture, like you just said, right? We have that 30,000-foot view. Uh, Chuck Smith used to liken it to... It's interesting that... Uh... Time is, is something that is here on earth. Eternal is timeless. Uh, there's an interesting description of it in Ecclesiastes that doesn't really uh, help you to understand it. It only confuses you more. Uh, Solomon said, that which was is now, and that which shall be has already been. And that's sort of describing the eternal uh, dimension. That which was is now, that which shall be has already been, and God requires that which is past. Uh, probably the best way to think of it is going to the Rose Parade on New Year's Day getting settled in your uh, seat uh, and you begin to wait for the parade to start. And uh, it's an exciting day. It's a little cold and you're sitting there sort of shivering and waiting for the parade to start. And then you hear the sound of the band up the street and you look up Colorado Boulevard and uh, there... Uh, you see, of course, the banner and uh, announcing the Rose Parade and then the, um, you know, the parade president comes by and waves at you and uh, you're watching the parade as it's coming down the street and the bands and the floats and uh, these floats are always so unique and so beautiful and as you're there watching, uh, say the craft uh, cheese float and uh, it's a very beautiful float and uh, it has won special award for its uh, theme keeping to the theme and as it goes by 
Everybody is saying, ooh, ah, you know, uh, that's so beautiful. And uh, it passes on by, and here come other floats and so forth. And someone comes running up to the Colorado Boulevard. They see you sitting there in the stands, and they say, I've heard that the craft float this year is special. Has it gone by yet? And you say, oh, yes, it went by. You missed it. It's already gone by. And they say, oh, no, I wanted to see it. I heard it was so beautiful. Oh, it was. Oh, I wanted to see it. Well, tell you what, if you go ahead down Colorado Boulevard and then come back up to the Colorado Boulevard, you can probably see the craft float because it should be getting down there, uh, you know, uh, in a little while. So you have to go ahead to see what is past. <laughs> and someone else comes running up and they say, oh, I understand that the Grand Sweepstakes was won by Southgate this year. Has that float gone by? You say, no, uh, but uh, according to the program, it should be here about five minutes from now. And they say, oh, well, I wanted to see it right now. Well, if you go back up Colorado Boulevard, <laughs> then you can probably see it now. So that which is future is, you know, it, you have to, you, you can see it by going back on the parade route. You can see, you know, and, and it's one of those crazy things. Now, if you could get in the Goodyear blimp and go high above Colorado Boulevard, you could see the whole parade as it is moving down Colorado Boulevard. You could see the uh, parade general or uh, the president up here in the front and uh, his car and, uh, and the bands and so forth and each of the floats. And here you could see on the other end, you could see the uh, street sweepers as they are cleaning up Colorado Boulevard following the parade. And you could see the whole thing at once as it is moving down Colorado Boulevard because you're extended up here high enough that you can see the whole thing at once. Now, God is way up here, and he can see the whole scene at once. He can see Adam eating the forbidden fruit in the garden, and he can see Jesus coming again with his church, and, and he can see the whole picture in one view from his perspective. And that is why God is able to tell you things that have not yet happened. He can tell you what's going to happen because he can see the whole progress of uh, the universe and uh, of time in, in just the one view. The Lord knows the end from the beginning, Scripture says. He's got it all in the palm of his hands. He knows what's going to happen. Like you just said, it's important for us to remember that because it's what really helps us 
stay focused on the task at hand. And I think on the show, um, this, the one that I just mentioned, uh, revival versus revolution. It's really important for us to, to keep the main thing, the main thing. And you guys mentioned sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, evangelism, evangelism, evangelism during these times, because there are so many people that are headed for this seven year tribulation. It is unimaginable horror. Like I can't, I can't really conceive the horror that's going to happen, right? As, as much as you've read Revelation, I've read the book, we know it, but it's really, really difficult to really conceive how bad that's going to be, you know? Um, and we, we see things happening now, right? doesn't compare. I mean, it pales in comparison to what's going to come. But as believers, we're instructed to know the seasons which we live in, right? Um, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. And Jesus said, uh, it says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Jesus then answered and said to them, When it's evening, you say, It'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it's going to be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, what was Jesus, and I'm going to throw this back to you, what was Jesus telling them by that, discerning the signs of the times? Well, one of the things, uh, you could go back to Daniel uh, chapter 9, and Daniel was given a prophecy through an angel by God, exactly the date the Messiah would show up. And uh, sure enough, here Jesus had showed up on the, uh, we call it Palm Sunday today, but he rode into Jerusalem, remember people laying the palms yeah. and shouting Hosanna in the highest. To the day that prophecy was filled that the Messiah would enter. Who should have been recognizing that he was the Messiah? It should have been the teachers of the Bible, the priests, mm -hmm. the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Anyone who knew, knew that when they interpreted the Bible that Jesus was the Messiah. But when he came, they refused to recognize him. They, they knew, I think, headwise. But their hearts in the Bible, Jesus used a few parables to show that the reason they didn't want to acknowledge the Messiah is because they liked all the attention. They wanted right. people to, to give them all the honor and not Jesus Christ. He compared them to the vineyard workers who killed the son. And so they knew exactly who he was and what he could do through his miracles. But they refused to see that. And unfortunately, that's not just something that we can pin on the Pharisees and Sadducees. The prophets all throughout the Old Testament we're continually giving God's word to the people, and almost always it was rejected. Today, we've got the Bible. We've got God's word. And he tells us many places throughout the Bible what the future holds and how to live during these times. And we still reject it. The signs of the times are there. Jesus gave us to them, but we seem to reject it. Um, I'll give you a modern-day example. Uh, we've had Alan Parr on our program, Christ and Prophecy and Prophetic Perspectives. He has a channel called The Beat. And he does quite a number of videos teaching Revelation and Bible prophecy. And he recently posted a um, survey out. He said, well, you all had asked me to start doing a lot of end time videos, but you're not really watching them. Why are you not interested? Tell me why, if I should make any more of these. And that kind of blew my mind because here we are living in one of the most exciting times in history and yet terrifying times in history. And for the most part, most Christians are just 
rolling over yeah. asleep and thinking of their best life now, uh, to yeah. quote Paul Osteen. Yeah. Uh, the Bible prophesied this, actually. It said in, that the final phase of the church during the church age would be the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3. Yeah. It'd be apathetic and disinterested in spirituality, and yet think it was wealthy and, and uh, it was very disconnected from Christ. It just didn't care about its faith. And uh, that's how, unfortunately, the church is living. That, too, is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. So when you say that we're not discerning the signs of the times, uh, I think, one, for ap because it's apathy. We just don't care. We're more concerned about living our best life now. Yeah. And two, uh, we don't really want Jesus to come. I, you talk to the younger ones, like my son, for instance. He's in college. He says, well, I don't really want Jesus to come yet. I want to get married. <laughs> and my, I want to get a career. I, want, I got things to do first. Yeah. And I think that as we live in an affluent society, uh, we say, well, Lord, don't come yet. I, I want to do this and I want to do that. Now talk to Christians in the third world country yeah. and they're desperate for Jesus to return. So That's right. I guess it's all a matter of perspective. No, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, many of you know, and I know you, uh, Brian Thomas, good friend of ours. Um, and I was talking to Brian a couple of weeks ago. And Brian mentioned how a lot of the churches in North Carolina, they're open. They don't have these restrictions that um, we have here in California and in other states. But the crazy thing is, he said, people aren't attending church. And it makes it begs the question, why? Why aren't they attending church? You can go to church. It's it, They're open, but they're not. And he said a lot of them are just in the comfort of their own home. You know, uh, live stream TV, I can be in my pajamas and just kind of do whatever I want. And um, there is this uh, spirit of apathy, unfortunately, that's infected the church. And just like Nathan said, the Lord oftentimes will turn up the heat in hopes uh, that, uh, you know, we'll get off our, our southern regions and actually do something about it. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Now, we have all these crazy lockdowns here in California when it comes to the churches. And there are people that are hungry to go to church. For example, our church sees people come from Sacramento. I mean, hundreds of miles away. One person came to get baptized from Chicago. So other states. So there is this hunger, but I believe it's not. And, and again, you guys, I keep referring to this, to the show you guys did because it was so spot on there. There isn't, and I believe the same thing. I don't believe we're going to see a nationwide revival, like in the Jesus movement or in the early 1900s. Right. Um, I don't see that, but what I do see is small pockets of, believers, real believers, really desiring and wanting to draw near to the Lord. They have a hunger for the word to what it says about the times we're dealing with. And those, I think maybe a small remnant, uh, uh, like Jan Markell calls it the remnant, right? The remnant church, the remnant believers who really are hungry and know what, you know, what we're living in. And then those that may not know the Lord and it just perks their ears up and go, what, what's going on? You know, what's happening? So would you say that what we're going through, uh, could we say that they are the beginning of the birth pangs or they are the, the, the starting point of birth pangs? That, that's a good question. Uh, apostles asked Jesus that in Luke 21, Matthew 24, Mark 13, they're all parallel. And, uh, what was happening was that they were walking around the temple. And here the temple was the most grand building these poor fishermen had ever seen. Yeah. It was the seat of God. It's where, 
where Solomon himself built it and was the Ark of the Covenant. And they're marveling at this amazing building covered in gold and, and ornate objects. And Jesus kind of puts a halt to their whole conversation, their elation by saying, uh, not one of these stones will be laying one on top of the other. This whole thing will be torn down. And, you know, they were shocked. They couldn't believe it. And so, of course, they had questions. And what they ended up doing is if you look at all three chapters, they had three questions. They went, well, when is this going to happen? What are the signs leading up to when the temple falls? And we know in history that was 70 AD when the Romans destroyed it. But they also asked, what will be the signs of the end of the age, this end of this church age that Jesus was initiating? And then the third question was, what are the signs that precede your return? Now, what's interesting is that Jesus answered nine of the ten signs he gives answers all three questions. But the difference is, and there's two things to learn about Bible prophecy. One is, is what you said called birth pains. Birth pains, uh, you have children, I have mm -hmm. children. We, we didn't experience birth, but we watched our yeah. lives. <laughs> and they, they start with these contractions, and they're few and far between. But as they get closer to the baby coming, they come more frequent and more tense and closer together. And so this, uh, what Jesus was teaching is that as we get closer to the return of Jesus Christ or to each of these events, that the signs would become more frequent, more intense, and closer and closer. So when people say, well, everything's been the same, uh, yeah. when Jesus said there's wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and pestilence, uh, fearful events in the sky, social events, uh, persecution of Christians, attacks on Jerusalem, that's always been, but no, as it gets closer to these three events, they come more frequent and intense. Jesus also uh, taught, and throughout the Bible, not him particularly, but something was called prophetic perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch Sesame Street. Yeah. And I love that when Grover would do this thing where, where he'd be back for far from the camera and he'd go far, and then he'd run up to the camera and be real close and go yeah. near, yeah. and then he'd go back far, and he'd do that again and again until he collapsed in exhaustion. Well, that kind of teaches what's called prophetic perspective. There are prophecies that have a near fulfillment, but then there's also that have a far fulfillment. And something Grover didn't teach, one that has a farther fulfillment. And so Jesus answers each of those three questions. Uh, and when you look at it through the lens of birth pains and prophetic perspective, you can see that as we get closer to these events, they increase in frequency and intensity. So we are seeing in our day and age, the fulfillment of the end of the church age, the end times, as Jesus said, that the labor pains would increase in frequency and intensity the closer and closer we get to the end of the church age. And the end of the church age is the rapture of the church. The church age began at Pentecost and will end at the rapture. So, yes, I agree. These birth pains are increasing in frequency and intensity the closer we get to Jesus' return. But now there's a, the third question, the signs leading up to Jesus' return, and we know that happens at the end of a seven-year tribulation, where Revelation explains how 21 judgments of God will pretty much destroy the world and wipe out most people. Yeah. And that's when the, the birth pains are really intense. Now, what is the birth? What is the baby that comes? It's Jesus' return to defeat evil and set up his kingdom on his earth. That's when everybody celebrates. The wife thankfully forgets the pain. <laughs> and uh, it's good times, right? The baby's there. And yeah. that is what we're leading up to. Very, very cool. So... Um, to kind of piggyback off that, uh, Todd uh, Strandberg, I know you've had him, you guys have had him on, and then uh, Terry Rapture James, ready. yeah, of course, Terry James as well. 
I've um, contributed have, a few chapters to Terry's books. Yep. Yeah. And I'm going to link that up because, and I think I might have done that last time, but these books are, are great. Really, really good. Uh, I oh, highly praise the Lord. A new one's coming out uh, later this month called Lawless. It's the third in a series. Yeah. He, he did, did the first, what was the first one called? Cause he, he did. The first one was deceivers. The deceivers. second one is uh, discerners. The third one was supposed to call, be called deniers go with the deep. Uh, yeah, but uh, his publisher said, "Well, everything's lawless right now. Let's change the title. Kind of ruins the rhythm there." But that's the third in the series. Yeah, well, and that's publisher. Didn't uh, past uh, David Reagan say that about the book that he had put out? The publisher said, "No, we're not going to do that. It doesn't sound too good." And he said, oh, "I'll pull the copy." So I own the copyright. I'm going to go ahead and change it later on, anyways. So I think that yeah, was a that's good why one. I self-published my two books. Uh, Very cool. Publishers want to change the titles and and get in and change a lot of the wording and pick the covers. And I, you know, I wanted to pick my titles and yeah. covers and all, but uh, yeah. Yeah. The mighty angels of revelation. That's your late, latest one, right? Uh -huh. And that then, takes people verse by verse through the book of revelation from the view of the 72 angels or groups of angels that can be found in the book of revelation. And then I did another book uh, partnered with a friend of mine, pastor Steve Howell. And that's uh, takes you through the 12 faith journeys of the minor prophets, minor prophets. looking at the minor prophets, by what faith lessons they learned as they proclaim God's messages. Very cool. Yeah. And I'm going to, again, I will link to all these, uh, of the books and all these resources. Oh, yeah. Lord. yeah. There's one help people of, grow in their faith in the Lord. So absolutely. So again, no reason not to know there, there's so much stuff out there and Nathan and I want to make sure and, and lamb and lion that you guys that want all of this material, get it. So what I was going to read, they, they did a article, they have it up there. You can look it up on the birth pangs and on their website. I'll link that one up too. It's called rapture yeah. ready. Um, and I want to quote from it because I don't want to miss one word. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if it was Terry James or if it was Todd, cause it doesn't, doesn't say, but this is how it says quote birth pangs in terms of Bible prophecy refers to certain convulsive geopolitical geophysical astrophysical and worldwide socioeconomic events and issues scheduled to occur in the time leading up to Jesus Christ's second advent or second return um, his second coming these are likened to the contractions experienced by a woman about to give birth with those episodes increasing with frequency and intensity Jesus is foretelling of these birth pangs. Use the word sorrows in his Olivet Discourse on end time things to come. And if you want to look this up in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 through 8. Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and read these. You cool with that? Can I read that? Okay, five verses. Jesus says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines pestilences, earthquakes in various and diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Doesn't that kind of paint a, uh, <laughs> it looks like a lot of what the world looks like now, and it's only going to get worse. I think Nathan would agree. It's only going to get worse. Things aren't supposed to get better, right? 
Right. Because birth pains don't get better and better. They get worse and worse. They get That's closer right. and closer together. They get more intense as we get closer to the baby. So absolutely. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are saying they can't wait till 2020 is over. Well, they might be in 2021 wishing they were back in 2020. Back in 2020. Uh, Bible prophecy teachers, theologians have this term called convergence. It's this idea that all these different signs are coming together all at once. And something that hasn't happened, of course, you get a war and a rumor of war, you, false prophets and, and earthquakes and all. But now they're all happening at all at once and they're getting more intense. Uh, uh, Watch.org says that there is 500 different cults in the United States alone right now. Earthquakes are off the chart. I believe in Southern California, you guys just had 600 in the past weekend. Yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about how all these signs are, are converging together. And that's another sign, I believe, that it's called the super sign next to Israel becoming a nation again. And that's the prophecy that really, if you want to know that, that we're living in the time of, of Jesus' return, is Jesus said that when the fig tree rebuds, another term for Israel, when Israel becomes a nation again, that's the generation that would see his return. Israel became a nation again in 1948. No other nation in history has returned from the dead after 1900 years. And this is the nation of the Bible. And the Lord says, watch that. That's a sign. When Israel becomes a nation again, then all these other prophecies will happen too. And it means that we are living in the time period, uh, generations, genea or, or era of the return of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you a real quick question because there's two things I really, really want to get through before we wrap this up. Um, <clears throat> before I ask you those. So a lot of people might be thinking now, uh, yeah, you know what? They've been saying this for a long time because I'll be honest, I even have had family members tell me this stuff has been going on forever. We've always had wars. We've always had earthquakes. We've always had natural disasters. And uh, I highly doubt that things are going to, we're going to hit this quote unquote proverbial reset button. I really don't think... Um, you know, like in those uh, Office Depot or Office Max commercials where you have that button, right? That says easy, you know, like a reset button. Yeah, that's not going to happen, is it? That was easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to have a coworker who had one of those. Uh, you know, that's a prophecy as well. If you go to Second Peter 3, he says, be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days of uh, walking in corner lesson saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And they say this, for this, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. So basically what they did is in the end times, people will forget that God created the earth and that the earth was refurbished by a flood. We live in a time period where we use evolution as the excuse for all mm -hmm. things. And uh, we believe in uniformitarianism, nothing changed. I think that's why people are freaking out about uh, the climate change or global warming or whatever you want to call it. Because I've seen nothing yet. <laughs> right. It's, they're like, well, if everything is uniform as it's been for millions of years, then what's all this? Well, uniformitarianism isn't true. But the Bible says that people will willfully forget. In other words, they'll adopt evolution and humanism is their mindset yeah. they'll deny there ever was a flood and they'll scoff that jesus will ever return so right there in second peter three is a prophecy responding to the very people who come up to you and say ah, everything's been the same nothing's changing jesus isn't coming back people have been talking about it 
but they miss that prophetic perspective like we discussed earlier, that the birth pains will have been there, certainly, but now they're increasing in frequency and intensity. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to move on. Uh, there's a million, uh, uh, not a million, but there's a lot of birth pains that we can list. Um, um, we're only going to have time to cover two or three. And, and we're going to go quick um, because we're running out of time. But um, violence upon the whole earth. I don't think we need to look much further than our own backyard. And I know that, oh man, I don't even know where to start. Uh, there's all kinds of violence going on, not just in um, not just in local cities. Obviously, we have riots. We actually, what was it? A couple of days ago, two, three days ago, they had some... Um, was, I don't Black know, Lives Matter in Wisconsin? Thank you. It was Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. And that was... You know, it's like anytime, uh, you know, a police officer might get acquitted or they just don't like the outcome of a court case, then it seems like that's what's going to be the, um, you know, the, the, the outcome is lawlessness, is riots, is violence. And, um, you know, what's right is wrong. Wrong is right. If you defend your own home like that couple in St. Louis, guess what? You're going to court. And so um, that's just one thing. That's even just in our own backyard. But you could, we can look around the world. Um, you had a mirror on your show, uh, prophetic perspectives, a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week, somewhere around there. And he also does a podcast, a video podcast, which I highly recommend. Um, but he also talks about how now Turkey and Greece are, you know, at it with each other. Um, all because of gas, energy. Um, there's, I like Pastor J.D. Farag says, when it says wars and rumors of wars, it's the word is threats. It could be translated threats of wars. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the bully in school. Man, you better wait. When we get out of school, man, I'm going to get you. And so you're thinking about that the whole day sitting in class, man, I'm going to get beat up. And so there's these threats of wars too upon the whole world governments are getting overthrown in certain parts of the world there's um you know like i said wars on the horizon are last week when i did the well, last week i just posted it with pastor uh james cadiz and there's that saying how uh jerusalem is the hour hand um let me see. Jerusalem. No, uh, Israel's the hour hand. Jerusalem is the minute hand and the temple mount is the second hand. Hmm. And just because everything's COVID, COVID, COVID elections, 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 we're not really seeing what's happening on a global scale. There's so much happening around the world and all we were so fixated on these issues, which are big issues, but, um, how does that relate to really kind of what we talked about? And obviously in, in uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 26 through 30, Jesus likens the days as in the days of Noah. It says, so it will also be in the days of the son of man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He also makes the comparison to Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. How does that relate, Nathan, to what we're seeing? Obviously, birth pangs, 
but uh, talk, talk us through it. You know, give us a little perspective on that. Well, let's look at what happened when uh, the Lord and some angels visited Abraham and he was heading to Sodom and Sodom was horrifically wicked. I mean, there was nobody righteous in it except Lot and his wife. And you got to even question his two yeah, daughters. Yeah, even that. Yeah, even that. And so here, uh, as Abraham was walking along with this is the pre-incarnate Jesus, uh, angel of the Lord. And he's saying, well, if, if there's 50 people, will you save that town? And Lot, Lord's like, of course, if there's 50 people, I'll say, well, what about 25? Well, no. There's not even, what about 10? It says, yeah, I'll do it for 10, but there's not 10. It's easier to take the righteous people out and destroy the city yeah. because of the horrors that are going on in the city. Likewise, the, the Lord continues to use that same MO throughout history. He did it with the flood as well. When a people becomes so depraved, they're obsessed with murder and evil and their own pleasure, that it's easier to remove the righteous and judge the evil than it is to continue going on. Uh, the Lord says that he would not put his wrath on the world because he would upend the tares or uproot the, tar the right. wheat along with the tares. In other words, the unbelievers. That's a parable. So that's, he gave that parable, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, and so what happens is, is that that the, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4 says that the Lord is going to remove the righteous off this earth before his wrath comes upon the earth. And it's called the rapture of the church, or it means to caught up or take away. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. And when the Lord removes that, he also removes his restraining influence off the earth. And the result is the earth will fall into utter lawlessness. And out of that lawlessness, the Bible prophesies a man of lawlessness. He won't be a, a rule keeper. He will be a lawless man, will rise to power, kind of like a gang leader. Yeah. And he will promise the earth that he can bring law and order back. And the whole world will fall behind him. This is where the earth will finally achieve the one world global government and the world will follow him. But he'll end up being a dictator who will demand the world worship him. Uh, the Bible prophesies all sorts of uh, billions of people dying. I mean, we're talking about the worst time in human history as Jeremiah 30 verse 7 prophesies, especially for the Jewish people. So when we see a lawless time like we're living in now, it's just a precursor, a uh, contraction number five before we get say mm -hmm. the contraction number 10 where it gets so bad that lawlessness can, uh, takes over the world after the rapture of the church the world is uh, defined by five main sins murder lying and witchcraft tend to be enormous drug addiction and um, the fifth one escapes my mind at the moment but we're seeing that today as as people pull away from judeo-christian values what are they obsessed murder and drug addiction is rampant and lying and uh, sexual promiscuity. That's the fifth one. Yeah. And uh, the, these things define uh, the people today. And that's what they want. They, the anger and the hatred we're seeing around the world against government is the beginning of that lawless movement that will eventually overtake the world, but not till the rapture of the church happens. Yeah, that's right. Um, I wrote something down again, going back to the show, uh, Revival or... Revolution. Yeah, and if folks are looking to watch that, they can find that on our website at christandprophecy.org or our YouTube channel, Christ and Prophecy. Very cool. And I will link to that because I highly suggest you watch out. All of them are good, but um, Dr. David Reagan um, made the uh, comparison, right? Um, we have grown cold to the Lord, and uh, we've also turned our backs and become not just um, indifferent, but we've become hostile to the Lord. There's this hostility, you know, anything Christian, anything um, righteous, right? That comes from the Lord. There's this hostility going about. We could see that 
all over. Nobody wants to talk. You name God. God's okay because, you know, God can be anything people think. But as soon as you say the, the name of Jesus Christ, ooh, whoa there, dude. Ooh, yeah, let's not go there. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're definitely we're living in those times and uh, it's not going to get better. Um, number two. And we're going to move uh, fairly quickly here. Uh, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. Uh, these are also birth pangs that we're experiencing now. And again, like I said, because we're so centralized, so focused on our elections and on what's happening in our own backyard, we really don't pay attention to what's happening around the globe. Obviously, COVID-19, huge, right? And that, even if we tried to cover that, there is a slew of things that have transpired because of the um, COVID-19. Large earthquakes, Nathan, you just heard a mention um, over here in Westmoreland, California, we have had a swarm of earthquakes. I mean, ton, uh, hundreds of them. And the crazy thing is they started in September 30th and they, they don't believe they're gonna end till the 14th of October or sometime after that. So they're expecting some either 99% is gonna be an earthquake of 5.9 or less. And then I think it goes on to say the, the probability of less than 1% could be an earthquake larger than 6.5 and one in 30,000 could be a 7.0 or larger. We don't know that, God knows that. All this to say, these birth pangs are happening. And we've had earthquakes in Turkey, the Caribbean, China, Iran, Russia, the Philippines, um, the, the locusts, the swarms of locusts we've had in Africa. I know Argentina, Southern Argentina has dealt with swarms of, um, of locusts. And that's where I, you know, I was born in Argentina, which is, it's not normal to see swarms of locusts like that down there. Um, and yeah, so you can look throughout the entire world, uh, the volcano in the Philippines in, um, where was it? Tall, T-A-T-A-A-L, tall. I'll say tall, the Philippines. That was in January, you know, and um, we have a bunch of volcanoes that are going off. We've got um, the Australian brush fire, I think happened 2019, early 2020. That was huge. Yeah. I mean, massive. Uh, fires in California, fires in Oregon, fires in Washington. And whether those were arson or not, they're there. They're, they're there. So it doesn't matter. Again, you can go down the list and these are just a few of them, just a few of them. Um, but here's my question. The signs are there, right? Why are Christians, and I, I, I mean, it's obvious almost, but why are Christians so apathetic? They are asleep at the wheel and they're headed for a precipice literally what what's going on i mean i want you to to, to kind of tell us you know from your perspective what what's going on there i asked uh, my friend who helped me co-wrote 12 faith journeys of the minor prophets because he's an education minister and uh i asked him the same question a few years back i said steve what is the deal people just just not interested in bible prophecy and he says it's not bible prophecy it's the bible People, we are now living in a time period where we have more resources, more books, more yeah. internet, more TV shows, you name it. But there's that apathy that the Bible prophesied, that end phase, the Church of Laodicea, where Christians will even have riches beyond belief, educational riches beyond belief, but they're just not interested. They're they're more concerned about themselves and their fellow men. They're more interested in 
selfies and their daily lives. And, and we've lived very well and the Lord has blessed our country, but we're seeing uh, not only an apathy in the church because of it, but a downright hostility towards God who gave it to us by yeah. those who aren't of the church. And so I would say it's a lack of biblical education. Uh, when you don't know what the Bible teaches about the signs of the times, when you have a general faith, oh, there is a God, there is a Jesus, oh, well, yeah. then you don't know what's happening. And uh, particularly, even those who are faithful, they're what's taught uh, amillennialism, this spiritualizing of the Bible. that No prophecy, millennial. Yeah, no millennial. Yeah, right, it, yeah. no millennial. It's, it's whatever the Bible you want to interpret it to mean. And, and so the church has gotten a heavy dose of that in the last 10, 20 years yeah. to the point now Bible prophecy is just a spiritualized war between good and evil. Uh, what events that the Bible prophesied have no meaning to them anymore. So a lot of churches have grown up. Uh, third reason is there's been a lot of bad Bible prophecy teachers, date setters like Harold Camping, yeah. uh, Mark Biltz, uh, others who come out and say, oh, the, the Aztec calendar or the great sign of Revelation 12 or Jesus. The red moons, right? Day. The blood moons. The blood moons again and again. And of course, these fail because these aren't true Bible prophecies. And so the rest of the world says, eh, I'm not going to teach that because I'm going to look like a nut like them. So the cool pastors won't teach Bible prophecy and the other pastors stray away because if they got it wrong, well, I'm going to get it wrong too. And so Bible prophecy ministries like ours have taken quite a beating over the last few years because there's so much. But again, that was prophesied as well. Yeah. Satan doesn't want us to know what God's plan is. If you stick to the Bible, the literal interpretation of the Bible, then you're going to know exactly what Jesus has planned. And Satan doesn't want us to know that. So he waters it down. He, he drowns it out in noise with so many different teachers teaching the wrong thing so that we don't know God's plan and we lose our hope. Now, one thing about the Titus teaches us is that, that the learning about the Bible and about God's prophetic word is meant to be our blessed hope. It's our yeah. encouragement to know that Jesus Christ will take his church out before the worst of it happens and that Jesus Christ is returning. He will defeat all this evil. All, man, all this terrible stuff, this corruption we see in government and on around us, that will be judged one day. And so that's meant to give us hope as well. But Satan doesn't want us to have that hope. So he's drowning it. Yeah. And I think that's definitely a ploy of the enemy um, to do that, you know, for sure, is to get all these um, as, you know, as misdirected zeal, because I call it misdirected zeal. Yeah, you may want, I mean, we all want the Lord to come back, but Satan will use that unfortunately to his advantage and then you know we see what's happening and this this lost uh disinterest in bible prophecy because unfortunately people out there thinks you know, they think we're a bunch of kooks you know what i mean um yeah but pablo that should tie to your first question and that was the angst about seeing all this around us to be so frustrated by it uh, i know especially like many americans we we're very frustrated when antifa seems yeah. to continue to burn down cities and politicians just say, Oh, it's peaceful. It's not a problem yeah. and all. And that's an frustrating. Idea. That makes yeah. you angry. But then a psychologist came out and said, look at the average Antifa person, mid twenties, mm -hmm. grew up affluent, uh, has no religious background or experience, sees a major worldwide COVID uh, killing people. Uh, they're not going to schools. They're not around people. They're isolated. They're lonely. They're scared. They're frightened and they're lashing out. I'm like, oh my goodness, these people are so lost. They so need Jesus. Yeah. And so we, the wonder the Lord said we should pray for enemies. I mentioned Nancy Pelosi. I try to pray for her every day. I want Nancy <laughs> Pelosi saved yeah. or I want her taken out of the way yeah. uh, so she can't cause evil. And 
I think if we can approach as Jesus taught us to, to approach our enemies, understanding that they're lost, Mm -hmm. they're lonely, they're confused. They need Jesus Christ. They need his love and salvation. That should hopefully change our attitude towards uh, those people out there. Satan's got them. And and we as Christians need to try to rescue them. hundred percent. I agree. And I want to add one thing in there. So this generation that's grown up, a lot of these folks you see in these riots um, and violent riots, should I say, I don't know if we really stopped to think they grew up on these violent video games, you know, on these first uh, first person shooter games and, you know, gore and guts. And um, at some point, even nowadays, I'll, I'll say the, the game called Fortnite. I mean, think about it. That's that's what it's all about. I don't play it. You know, I've never played it. I've read up on it. And then, you know, this whole zombie apocalypse thing where we just got to go out and, you know, kill the zombies. But that's a that's a whole story for another time. But last couple minutes, last few minutes, and I do want to touch on this. We definitely have a rise in demonic activity, and that was prophesied in, in Scripture, right? Um, we definitely know that one of the signs of the end would be a huge uptick in de- demonic activity. Um, but you made some. You made mention of something earlier. You said uh, drug use, right? And in scripture, that's I think the word is used pharmakeia, right? Which is where we get our use uh, our word pharmacy. Where is the connection between demon possession, demonic activity, and drug use? There's definitely got to be a correlation somewhere there, right? Because the Bible makes it with using that word pharmakeia when it talks about witchcraft. Am I correct? Right. This idea that witches are around bubbling cauldrons, making potions, uh, that's a cartoonized version of of, uh, drug use. The idea, I have a a friend of mine, she was uh, heavy into the New Age and and drugs before her, she got saved. And she said that they would use drugs to open their minds to allow ancient spirits, which we know are demons, Mm -hmm. to give them guidance or direction. Uh, She even had an out-of-body experience and when she returned to her body, there was a demon waiting in it. Uh, the, Jesus said the demons are looking for those they yeah. can inhabit. That terrified her, and that led her eventually to the Lord and all, and she has a great testimony. Eric Barger, who uh, is a Bible prophecy yeah. teacher and apologist, lives up in the Seattle area, and he really opened my, my eyes to why is this happening in those particular cities? And so he would, came out of the New Age movement and the drug culture as well, and he says, you look at Portland, in Seattle and even Minneapolis, which they're not reporting this, but Minneapolis, a lot of these riots are Islamic in nature. Yeah. Uh, but in Portland and Seattle and some of these other towns, they're heavy into the new age and the occult. They have very little Christian uh, evidence, their impact happening. And a lot of this is occultic. And a lot of these people are coming out of drugs too. And so when you recognize that, like he does, you see that, of course, the demonic activity is happening more there than anything else. Mm-hmm. One of the trademarks, like I said earlier, during the tribulation time period is mass, mass pharmacopoeia. You said mass drug addiction yeah. for the hope of, of getting spiritism to empower yourself with spirits. I used to work with a woman in Delaware who Wick is very popular in Delaware and she was in the earth religion. And she said she gave her soul to Satan because Satan would turn green lights and give her parking spots. I'm like, <laughs> she called herself a witch, but you gave up your soul for parking spots. Yes. These, these spirits come and they, they get, make my life easier. And, and the world will turn to these spirits during that time more than we see now. Yeah. And when you see 
a guy with a skateboard beating up a guy with a machine gun, that's demonic. I mean, yeah. you there's no connection to reality there. And a lot, a lot of these riots we're seeing, they're burning Bibles. They're marching down the streets saying, F your Jesus. Yeah. I mean, these, this is a satanic rising in the United States. It's more than just people protesting George Floyd's murder. It's a satanic rising and lawlessness that's coming to the country. Yeah. And, and just to kind of, no, for sure. And to piggyback off of that case in point, the uh, Black Lives Matter Inc. co-founders in an article on the Gateway Pundit, they even uh, admit to occult practices and necromancy. You know what I mean? Which is summoning the dead, which is forbidden, obviously, in scripture. I think Saul did that. If many of us who know our Bible, right? It and he died turn, the next yeah, day. Didn't turn out too well for him. <laughs> no. We did four perspectives on Black Lives Matter. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are really confused because they think, well, they could call it warm, lovey puppies or I like yeah. pizza. It doesn't matter what they call it. It has almost nothing to do with black lives. Yeah. It's all about, like you said, the three founders are all lesbians. They're yeah. all professing witches. And Black Lives Matter, the platform, just go on what we believe page, is all about destabilizing the nuclear family, normalizing homosexuality and gender dysphoria, breaking down society, and not justice, but revenge. All yeah. those are satanic. Yeah, 100%. And it's funny, one little, uh, I'm going to just kind of interject here. So what Nathan said too, yeah, they are for the destruction of the nuclear family. It wasn't going so well for them because they had that in there. So they went in and kind of revised that little tidbit of the nuclear family. But I don't want I, I don't want anybody to, uh, you know, to be duped. They are not for, uh, you know, a family. They're not for God. They're not for any of that. And even though they changed the wordage, the verbiage on their website, um, you know, things that go on the website, on the internet, even though they're taken down, there's ways of finding it there. And uh, I'm sure we've got screenshots. Of that's that right. Yeah, we've, there's plenty of screenshots of it. And they do want they do stand for the destruction of the nuclear family, amongst a bunch of other things, too. The crazy thing is I'm going to close with this. As much as anybody out there says, eh, who cares? That's outside the four walls of the church. You are so mistaken and so duped because that has actually infiltrated the church. And we know the church is in trouble when things like that start to infiltrate the church. Case in point, um, there are these uh, cards called uh, Sacred Destiny cards. They came out, I think, two, three years ago through an organization called Christ Alignment who also is somewhat affiliated with Bethel Church, and we won't even get into Bethel Church. I'm going to read you a statement directly from Bethel Church. You might still be able to find this on their website. This was in January 2018, okay? This is from their leadership, and it says, quote, there's been some recent concern about the ministry of Christ. They call it a ministry, okay? Now, anyone can go on Christ Alignment. Go check it out. It is anything but a ministry. Um, but they call it a ministry concern about the ministry of Christ alignment and their supposed use of Christian tarot cards, which is an oxymoron in and of itself in ministering to people at new age festivals. While the leaders of this ministry, Ken and Jenny Hodge are connected with several members of our community, including get this being the parents to our much loved brother evangelist Ben Fitzgerald. Okay. Okay. 
Christ alignment is not formally affiliated with Bethel. We do, however, have here, listen to this, have a value for what they are seeking to accomplish. So even though they say they're not connected, they value what they're doing through this, what they call ministry. It is not a ministry, folks. This is demonic. It's, it's infiltrated the church, and it's literally reading what they would do at a palm reader, throwing the cards down, the tarot cards. All they did is they, they tried to Christianize it and call them sacred destiny cards. There's also a thing called angel boards, and angel boards are glorified Ouija boards. All they did is they just superimposed the picture of an angel on the Ouija board, and they say that instead of, uh, of communicating with fallen angels, you're communicating with non-fallen angels. <laughs> I'm sorry, the logic, I'm laughing because the logic is out the window, people. We don't use our brains anymore. It's almost like we walk in the church and we just, oh, here, can you have my brain? I'm going to check it at the door. And we don't realize God gave us a brain to use it, you know, logic. But I guess common sense is not common anymore. What? Okay, last question. Promise, promise, because, uh, yeah, we ran out of time. Sorry, but what are the implications of things like this and amongst others creeping in the church? Let me just interject this real quick. For those of you who say, I don't go to Bethel. I'm cool. I go to a Calvary Chapel. I go to Calvary Chapel, okay? But a, a couple months ago, I was in one of the stores, and a couple of the college students, one of them working behind the, the, uh, the counter, was talking to another college student that had just come out of the class, and they were talking about their Dungeons and Dragon games and how they, you know, the, how they interact and what they were doing, their characters and everything. Folks, for those of you that don't know Dungeons and Dragons, go get a book on it. I, I mean, I can recommend when I read it when I was a freshman in high school because I was trying to witness to one of my um, my classmates who was deeply uh, into Dungeons and Dragons. It's straight up satanic, straight up demonic. And for those of you that think that the church doesn't have a problem, we have a problem, people. And we got to really come to, to the realization that there is a big problem big problem. The world has seeped into the church instead of the church going out into the world. What are those implications, Nathan? Well, the obvious one and we're seeing this in our country is the church loses its, its power and authority. Whereas we were a dominant force in the United States for, for almost two centuries, uh, we're a laughing stock now, if not now openly persecuted, as you're seeing in California and other states right now, as the state governors have decided the churches don't even matter, need to stay open anymore. Uh, eventually, you can see the extreme. Uh, go look at China, where Xi Jinping is yeah. basically declared himself a god and is trying to force the churches there to worship him. Uh, there's a good side to that, because wherever there's persecution, it purifies the church. It separates the men from the boys, so to speak. We've lived in a very cultural Christian era and that's come to an end. It is over. Yeah. And now we're in a post-Christian nation, and it's increasingly becoming hostile. This will make you determine if you're faithful or not. What are you willing to give up for your faith? We haven't had to ask that in the United States. Now we will. During the tribulation, the Bible prophesies millions of people from every tribe, tongue, nation around the world will reject Satan and give their lives to Jesus Christ. And many of them will be beheaded for it. So it'll get to a point in the world, post-rapture, where if you declare your faith in Jesus Christ, you're pretty much assured death, but you inherit eternal life. So 
that's the direction we're heading in. In this mm. point in time, in 2020, we're, we're seeing a move for the entire world yeah. to have to choose Jesus or not. And uh, that's a bad thing in some ways, but it's also a very good thing for the church. Yeah. So what's the takeaway, folks? Okay. What's the takeaway of all this? I'm going to read James chapter four, verse 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what's your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What does that mean? That means that we don't know what tomorrow holds. Okay. Um, you don't know. We don't know when our last day on earth could be. We're talking about the rapture. We're praying that it'll be the rapture, but only the Lord knows. You know what I mean? It could be death. Um, we're praying for the latter. I, it would be amazing. You know, hear the trumpet sound and we get to go up, you know, see ya. Peace. Right. Um, well, peace. There's not going to be peace. Anyways, that's the takeaway, folks. Um, no one's guaranteed tomorrow. And I'm talking to whoever's listening right now. You heard Nathan and I, we talked about a lot. There's a lot to digest in here. Um, but here's the hope kind of coming full circle. What we said in the beginning, there is hope. And that hope is that you don't have to go through any of the horrors and the terrors that are going to be coming upon the earth soon. Like in the movie theaters, right? In the big marquees coming soon, right? Well, it's coming. I'm going to interject coming very, very, very soon to a city where you live everywhere around the world. There is not one part of the entire globe that the rapture will not affect. And then the tribulation, not one part. Okay. So with that said, don't put off what you can do, like, right? Don't put off what you can do tomorrow, what you can do today. And the scripture says that today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. You know, I've, I've heard people say, it's okay. I'll wait till I hear the trumpet and then I'll pray too, yeah, too, you know, too slow. Dear Lord, too slow. Lord, too slow. It just, it's not, it doesn't work that way. There are those that have been blessed to be able to ask Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior on their deathbed. That doesn't mean that everybody is going to get that opportunity. That's literally playing with fire, with hellfire. Um, so, Nathan, would you mind sharing the gospel right now for those that are listening? I don't want anybody to not hear the hope offered that Jesus Christ offered us. Absolutely. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.9. Where it's written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It's rough right now out there, and it's only going to get rougher. But the Lord has not roughness and terror and bloodshed and tears meant for his servants, his children. He has a wonderful future plan for us. But the problem is, is that sin has separated us from the Lord. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, as Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our sin has separated us from the Father, and God has been spending all of human history to get us back to the like it was in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve walked and talked and had fellowship with God. But mankind broke fellowship with God when we rebelled against them, and we're still in rebellion against them. But Romans 5.8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The perfect man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, both divine and man, died on the cross for our sins so that when we put our faith and trust in him, our sins will be forgiven and we will inherit a new life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, 
that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Hebrews 11, 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the son of God and your savior, your sins will be forgiven. That relationship will be restored with God once again. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, you don't know if you know Jesus as your savior, that your sins are forgiven, then right now step out in faith and pray something like, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and savior. Your sins will be forgiven. The guilt will be washed away and you'll inherit eternal life with Jesus forever. That's the future he has promised for you. Amen. So that is awesome. That is truly awesome. If you've re- if you've prayed that, please, I really would like to know. Like I said before, I would love to send this to you guys. No cost. I will send this to you guys. Just I don't want anyone to ever have any reason to say I didn't know. Uh, so let us know. We'd be praying for you. I'll go ahead and send that out to you. Um, Nathan, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I know we covered a lot, you know, thank you so, so very much. And, um, again, I want to encourage everybody. I'm going to link everything up to Lamline ministries, prophetic perspectives, the books. There's a lot of good stuff. There's no reason for us to be in ignorance. And like Nathan said, um, there's so much that it's almost too much, but these are good, good materials. And, um, I want to encourage you to check them out. So, uh, hope, hopefully you guys enjoyed everything. Um, until the next time we get to hang out, I hope you guys were blessed. I really do hope you guys were encouraged. And at the same time, I hope you guys were challenged in your faith until the next time. Take care. God bless you guys. See ya.